You are now listening to What the Hell, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 90, 90 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today is International Women's Day. I have to be honest, I don't really post a lot with my, I don't post a lot in general these days anymore, but when it comes to International Women's Day, I tend not to really go there for a variety of reasons um, that I won't get into. I think there's some interesting agendas out there, not from everyone, but from certain people um, that want equality, but don't actually seek equality in different ways. So I'm just always so conscious about things that um, have underlying motivations. And I think uh, International Women's Day could be one of those things, depending on who the person is, but isn't necessarily for everyone. But nevertheless, I want to put out a message that's for women to encourage them to be women and to embrace their womanhood and all of the twists and turns that's associated with that. And I want to start by introducing two different stories, uh, personal stories, and maybe it will offer some encouragement to whoever is listening. So the first story is one of my favorite pastimes is to go to the consignment store and shop. We have a consignment store called Vespucci Consignment, and they sell high-end brands, like up to the really high ends, down to like the lower but still like medium brands like Aritzia and whatever else. But they have like the Dolce & Gabbana and Louis Vuitton and um, Chanel, all of those things. And that's my jam, right? Like if anyone knows me, I do like expensive things. However, I'm a sucker for a deal. Like if I can get something on sale, I'm all for it. So one of my favorite pastimes is to go to the consignment store. And when I was there, I found the most beautiful Dolce & Gabbana dress. And so I tried it on and I felt so good in it. Like the best I've ever felt in a piece of clothing. And not only that, but like this dress was probably like sold for retail between two and $3,000, like new. And it was on sale for $346. And so for me, I'm like, yes, this dress is everything. However, it was a couple size bigger than I normally wear. So European brands generally tend to fit smaller. And it was a couple sizes bigger. And I immediately felt not so good about it. Because, you know, like I'll, I'll be the first to admit, old habits really die hard. Old thought patterns die hard, especially when someone has struggled with an eating disorder. But not only that, I think, you know, as women, 
we get so hung up on these numbers and sizes. So I didn't buy it. I put it back on the rack and I left. And I went home and I, I felt like really bad about myself. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm this size and, you know, getting like really triggered, lots of like old thought patterns coming up. And I just started thinking, you know, I love that dress. I felt so good in that dress. It looks so good. And I'm going to let something like its size to dictate whether I'm going to buy it or not. I can't let that be the reason that I don't go and purchase that dress. I am worth looking good. I'm worth dressing my body in clothes that make me feel wonderful. It doesn't matter what size they are. My body is worth that. And so the next day I went back and I put it on again and I loved it just as much as I did the first time I tried it. And I bought it because I couldn't let a size dictate how I was going to clothe my body. I spent years living like that, forcing my body to look a certain way, to fit into a certain size of clothing. And I'm six foot one. I'm a tall woman. I am not like a rake. I have curves. I'm athletic. You know, clothes fit me how they fit me. I don't live in a world that's necessarily designed for me in terms of clothing. It can be quite challenging. I don't think most women are living in a world where clothing is designed for them. I don't know who the clothing is designed for, but it's not like me or my friends or people that I know. It's very few and far between. Like you talk to any woman and they're like, yeah, I really struggle to find this or this or this or, you know, whatever. So I'm like, who do these clothes fit? Like who are, who are people making clothes for? So I went and bought the dress because I couldn't let the size be the reason I didn't clothe myself in something that made me feel wonderful. And I wanted to encourage women with that story because clothing can be such a trigger and it can be, you know, such a source of pain for some women. I know that sounds, it can sound vain, but it's not. When we're trying to clothe ourselves and present ourselves to the world and clothing is a, a source of expression, it's a method that we express ourselves in. And when we can't find clothes that make us feel good, that make us feel like how we want to express ourselves, it can be a very demeaning experience. So I wanted you to know that everyone goes through this. I know we know that most women go through this, but it doesn't matter what women look like. It doesn't matter what size they are. To some degree, every woman goes through this. We all have hangups about our body. We all have hangups about the size of clothes that we wear. And if we are a small size, then we're doing everything we can to keep that small size. And if we're not a small size, we're doing everything we can to become that smaller size. But I'm telling you right now, your body is worth clothing yourself in things that make you feel wonderful regardless of the size that you are. It doesn't mean that if you genuinely have weight to lose, that you don't go on a path where weight loss is one of those things that you strive for. But dress yourself 
according to what your body needs in whatever season that is. So if you're in a bigger body and you want to lose weight and you need to lose weight, then at least clothe your body in clothes that make you feel wonderful at the size you are right now. Don't wait to buy clothes until you have a different body. That was one thing that um, I haven't shared this actually with a lot of people, but when Kevin and I first met, Kevin like completely ruined me for clothes because he was really into fashion. I had never even like, I didn't even know what these clothes cost. I didn't, I didn't like, I don't know. My, <laughs> my idea of like high fashion was Le Chateau. They don't even have those stores anymore. But if anyone remembers like Le Chateau, like that was like expensive for me. Um, and that was like high end for me. So when I met Kevin, it was all like Prada and Burberry and Dolce and Gabbana and all of these different things. But when I had met him, I was still struggling with bulimia. My metabolism was ruined. I was the heaviest I had ever been despite doing everything quote unquote right. I was exercising like a mad woman. Um, really not in a good headspace and my body showed what my internal environment was like and this is not to put any shame on bigger bodies I had too much weight on me that was just the fact of the matter and not once you know when we got together and he's like I want to you know take you shopping not once did he say like oh let's just wait until you're a little bit smaller and we can go and buy these nice things no he did not do that at all. We clothed my body, regardless of the size that it was, in clothes that made me feel wonderful. And it was a really big healing process for me. It was a big part of my healing journey to buy clothes that made me feel beautiful, regardless of what my body looked like. And on something like International Women's Day, we need to remember things like that. We need to remember that not just on one day, but on every single day of our lives. Your body is worth clothing and clothes that make you feel wonderful. So that's story number one with like a lot of background context. And some people might think, oh, clothes are vain or name brands are vain. It doesn't matter if you like name brands or not. That's that's just my thing. But it was representative of buying myself something nice, even if I didn't like how my body looked. The second story happened just yesterday and it really like, oof, it hit home. So I'm going to be 34 next month. And I know I have a lot of listeners that are much older than that. And uh, that's fine. And I have a lot of listeners that are a lot younger than that. And that's fine as well. But I'm 34 next month and I have noticed that I'm getting quite a bit of fine lines under my eyes, but not just like fine lines, like crepiness, getting lots of like that crepey skin. I don't wear a lot of makeup or like (laughs) I don't wear any makeup. So I went out for dinner with a girlfriend last week and I thought I'm going to put on some makeup and get all dolled up. And I put concealer under my eyes and powder and did the whole thing and all of it settled into these fine lines and made the crepey skin look even worse and I literally aged myself 
like five to 10 years just by putting makeup on because all of a sudden all of these fine lines were really visible especially when I don't wear makeup I'm not used to seeing that uh, and I have to be honest like I wasn't even using an eye cream so there was like it was super dry um, yeah just just all the things that did not look so good it, made, it didn't make me feel great about myself I'll just say that and so the other thing is I have a loss of volume around my cheekbones which makes dark circles quite prominent and some of it is through aging but most of it is genetic because I remember growing up always having dark circles I remember people saying you know when I was like 17 18 oh you look really tired and I'm like no I'm fine <laughs> But I, I just never had that volume in my cheeks. And so the shadows were always prominent. You can look at pictures of me when I'm like three, four, five years old. I have those dark circles. That's just my life. And I've gone to consultations like wanting to do something about it. And it always comes down to getting filler. You need filler to like create that that volume that's not there. And I never felt comfortable with filler um, I just don't, there's just something in me that doesn't feel comfortable with it. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know what? I'll just cover up the dark circles as much as possible. But then when I covered up the dark circles and all the fine lines showed up, I was like, dang, <laughs> what do I do now? Because at one point I could just cover up the dark circles with makeup and it was fine. And now that is not the best option either. So what do I do? So I booked an appointment at this laser clinic because I wanted to inquire about other treatments. I was like fully aware they're going to tell me filler is the only way. But what about like what if there's a laser treatment? Like what about a laser treatment? Um, I used to be an esthetician. So I love skincare. I love all like laser treatments. I've never gotten a laser treatment, but I would. Um but I also was wanting to explore PRP, platelet-rich plasma, and that's where they draw blood, they put the blood through a, a centrifuge, and then they inject it back into your skin. It's supposed to promote collagen. You might know it as the vampire facial. So this is what I wanted to inquire about. I was like, okay. Kev was kind of like, he's like, if you really want to do something, and he was like on board for me to get filler under my eye. And he's not on board for stuff like that, but he's like, I understand, like, if it makes you feel better, do it. And so he's like, go inquire about this. So I had a consultation and I was sitting in the reception, like by the reception desk. And I don't know if all clinics do this but they also offer like Botox and fillers and whatever else but the receptionist was just doing her job was calling these people and leaving messages saying uh, you're at the three-month mark now you're it's time for you to come back for your Botox and I was just like listening to this and she's like cold calling all these people and I started thinking like if these people want to come back shouldn't they just call like need someone hounding you and I know she's just doing her job it's a sales thing it's all about money but it was just like that was kind of the first bad taste in my mouth I got I thought I mean let people come to you like just let people make their own decision we have so much pressure as a society 
as women to look a certain way and you get like someone hounding you to come back for something. Maybe you don't even want it. Like maybe you do. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. Like do all clinics do that? Someone should reach out to me and let me know because I don't know if all clinics do that. Anyways, that was one thing. But then they had this television screen with all like different like treatments and before and after photos. But it was saying like um, creases around your mouth or downward turned lips. You can relax those muscles. And then it um, showed a before and after. And then it was like those those bunny lines when you like crease your nose. Uh, don't like those? You can relax those. And it like started going over all of these different ways that we express ourselves all these different lines that are created when we contract certain muscles and it was like don't like that you can relax it don't like that you can relax it and I was just thinking so you're just gonna like (laughs) relax every absolutely every muscle in your face so you're no longer you can no longer make expressions or you're just expressionless and I think good injectors wouldn't do that but I know that there's a lot of injectors that do that and people's faces are literally frozen and it wasn't the fact that if you want to do that fine but it was the fact that it was the over promotion of it and I get it I was in a, a laser clinic that offered these services so of course they're going to push these services because it's what they sell but it was just it just seemed a little bit OTT over the top. Like it was just a lot. And then uh, the last thing that got me was on the screen. It was like, there's three types of agers. There's the wrinklers, the sinkers, and the saggers. And I was like, wow. So this is just like what it's boiled down to. Like you're gonna, you know, it's like putting these labels on natural processes and making us feel bad about it and instead of like you know wanting to have all these different treatments and there are hundreds of treatments out there like the sky is the limit when I had the consultation um with the whatever the the woman who was talking to me about the laser and the PRP she was like so what other kind of treatments do you want to know about and I was like none I don't care about the other treatments. Like, I just want to know what I can do with my eyes. But instead of me wanting like, oh, I I have to have this or hearing about this treatment, I have to have this and this and this and this. I just felt sad. I felt sad for women. And I know men go and get this too, but it's predominantly women. And my heart just hurt in that moment. I was just like, you know, we're pathologizing age and the way that we look. And it's tough. It's tough on women. And it's not going away. It's not going to get easier. You look at women in the workplace. I mean, what was that bozo that talked about? He was on CNN. Kevin told me about it. How he said this one woman in her 50s was like past her prime. I just thought like, are you kidding me? Like a man, when he's in his mid-50s, he's in a, he's in the prime of his life, his money-earning years, and like women are just day-old bread. 
We got a shelf life of what, 30 years and then we're done? I mean, really, this is such a strong message and women feel it. We feel it and we internalize it and we go and seek out different treatments to quote unquote turn back the hands of time and we're in a hiding to nothing. It's futile. And I'm not saying don't go and get these treatments. Uh, there's actually a really interesting laser. It's not an ablative. It's called all therapy. And it's like, it's really good for, I don't know, aging. But it's not going to do anything anything for your eyes. But like, it's a laser that I would consider, you know, in five years time. I'm not saying that I wouldn't get those things done. But my happiness and self-worth isn't dependent on those things. And I don't think any woman's self-worth should be dependent on those things. If something makes you feel great, awesome. But who are you doing it for? And in the workplace, it's really challenging because women want to be seen as competent. But at the same time, it's like, We also want to be seen as sexy and vulnerable and desirable and, you know, all of the things. And it's really tough. It's a really, you know, tough situation for women to be in. So that was the second story where it just made me feel really sad that there's all of these messages that are telling us, like, we're not enough. We're not enough as we age. We have to stay looking like we did when we were in our 20s or 30s. And it's just not true. It's just not true. And unfortunately, and I am, I do not have a woke agenda. I'm, you know, a feminist at heart, but a true feminist. Um, I love men and women equally, but I believe we're very different. We have different roles. We have equal dignity but we are very different. We're created different and that difference should be celebrated and embraced. You look at how, you know, the medical industry is run and it's very masculine. I mean, for the longest time, historically, studies weren't even including women, especially not women going through menopause, pregnant women, like We just didn't include women in studies because there were too many confounds. And so we have this whole kind of world that's set up, not with women in mind. We really don't. It, when you say it's a man's world, it kind of is. And it's getting better, but also women are going through medical education, set up how it was created and it was for men in mind, not women. So you look at a woman's cycle, for example, and a normal cycle is anywhere from 28 to 35 days. And every single day, our hormones are different if we're still cycling. Menopause is a different, um, a whole different ball of wax altogether. Definitely not my specialty, but so fascinating. And uh, I mean, if, you, if you're a woman who hasn't gone through menopause, you should be studying menopause, like 100%. If you're in your mid-20s, you should be thinking about menopause because if there's one guarantee in, guarantee in life, it's that. Like your 10-year plan should include that. That's beside the point though. But you look at our cycle if we're still cycling and our hormones change every single day. 
And in the first half of our cycle, we have all of this energy, we have the get up and go. But in the latter half of our cycle, it's our time to relax and nurture ourselves. And yet, as a society, we're, our society's not built for that. We're built to keep going. We're built on a seven-day cycle, a work week, and there's no time to relax. You know, if you're on the week before your period and your energy is really low, too bad. You have to push through. You don't get to relax. And if you do want to relax, you're either seen as, you know, oh, on her period or don't talk to her or, you know, whatever. Uh, And we don't even get to embrace that that's where we are in our cycle and we need to honor that. So how how society is set up does not appreciate women and the variations that we go through. And then you get into menopause and there's even less appreciation. And if there's one thing that we can do as this generation is growing up and new generations come in, it's to teach little girls about their cycle and how important it is and how different they are from boys and how those differences need to be celebrated. And parents need to learn about their daughter's cycles. It's, I mean, it's such a huge component of our health as women and yet it has not been discussed and it's not even really been understood and the narrative is changing but if if that if there was one message that I wanted to get across on International Women's Day it's to understand your body and your hormones and your cycle and where you are in that stage of life as a woman because it's drastically different from a man And you cannot have it all and still be healthy. Men can, you know, be on this constant stream of of hormones. There's, There's not a lot of fluctuation from day to day for men, but women are not like that. And whether we want to acknowledge that or not, that's what's going on in our body. So we need to know when to push and we need to know when to slow down as well. So those are... The two stories that I wanted to kind of frame the conversation around uh, looking at women and respecting and acknowledging women in particular on today, because I really want to see us all live our best life, all live our healthiest life. And really, that starts not just with our mindset, but it's also about knowing our body as well and being advocates for ourselves in our bodies to go along with that. So thank you so much for listening to today. If you're a woman, happy Women's Day. If you're a man, happy Women's Day. Love the women in your life. Seek to understand them and seek to understand their cycle as well. And if they're not cycling anymore, seek to understand menopause. It will greatly improve your relationships with the women in your life if you understand what they're going through on a hormonal level. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. 
If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave me a review as your reviews get this message of better health out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Lena Jade's Healthy Life, where I post fitness, nutrition, and psychology content. All right, you guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day, always remember, you are powerful over your health.